So, so let me ask you this, Stu. Without wait, 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 hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. We are reviving the Cult Spark podcast <laughs> after. Hang on, let's. No, no, that's what I was going to ask. Don't spoil yourself. Don't spoil. That's what I was just going to ask you. That's how I was going to lead oh, off. Okay, all right. I'm going to ask right. you, Stu. Without looking, what do you think was the topic of the last Cult Spark podcast that we recorded and released? And we're not counting. Um, we're not counting the unfranchised. We're talking the actual main right, right, podcast. Right. What do you think was the topic? I, it, I, I'm straining my brain here because it has been a hot minute. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a Mission Impossible movie. It was. That's correct. But uh, I can't. I'm. I, it's, it's, it was. It was for Rogue uh, Rogue Nation, wasn't it? No, it was Fallout. No, it was. It was for Fallout. Oh wow! August eighth, two thousand eighteen. We released an episode of okay. this podcast with me and you, and we talked about Mission Impossible. And at the time, I don't think it was going to be that last one. But then we got lazy. We got busy. We sort of pivoted to the unfranchised, which is a podcast we are still committed to doing more of someday. Correct. Uh, Look, I think man, I will do it whenever you, whenever honestly, you to do it. can we pass am, some you know, of the blame off there with there just not being as many unfranchised movies out there anymore that aren't no, in I giant think, franchises? I think, I, I think there's uh, plenty, but we ran into the problem of just like, you really? know, the utter depression of COVID and, yeah. you know, the end of the Trump years. Yeah. And it was just it like who who felt inspired at all? Well, to do much of anything. Some then, people you know? did. Some people did. Not me and you. Look, God, and you know what? God <laughs> bless them. You know what? I mean. Anyway, real. anyway, when I saw the Batman this Saturday opening weekend, you had already seen it, and I said, you know, Stu, maybe we should do a cult spark. Maybe we should bring the cult spark podcast out of mothballs and do this. And you kind of laughed, and then I said, No, I'm serious. And then you were like, Yeah, let's do it. So. We, we, we're enthused to be here. So now we doing it. Yeah. So now it's happening. Hey, people, if people, <laughs> let, I, I left our podcast in my podcast feed. Anybody else that did the same, this is going to pop up as far as they know. If they subscribe, it's, it's the newest podcast they got to listen to. So hopefully somebody did. So let's talk about the Batman. Let's talk about the Batman. So I have this broken down. I, I I really didn't do much preparation for this, but I thought maybe we could just talk about the good stuff first. I'll just say up front, we both like this movie. I think you liked it more than I did. I actually, I saw you post a, your Batman rankings on social media and you had this at number two, which is way too high, but we, but we both like this movie. So I thought, yeah. we'd, I thought we'd start off talking about uh what's good about it why we both like this movie, why we're giving the Batman a thumbs up. And I thought I, I'll make the first point. I'll put, throw the first thing out there, which this is an extremely well cast Batman movie. It really is like top to bottom. There is not a weak link or really even lesser than bit of casting in the entire thing. It's like it's, if, if, if Pattinson's going to be my Batman for a while, I'm good with that. If Zoe Kravitz is going to be my Catwoman for a while, I'm good with that. Same goes with Jeffrey Wright and pretty much anybody in this film that's going to have a repeating role. Yeah. Circus, very good. Like the if if I had to to point out a weak link, it would probably would be Andy Circus, but that's really only because he just doesn't get very much material to work with. 
Can I tell you that I went to this movie with a friend of mine, and the first thing I said to him as we were walking out of the theater was, isn't it a little weird that that Circus doesn't get a scene at the end of this movie where he's out of the hospital and, like, we know Alfred's okay? Right. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, the last we see him, he's awake, he's conscious, we get the sense that he's not going to die. But he, right. but he never comes unless I'm forgetting something. He never comes back into the movie, right? No, he doesn't. And I think it's just—it's one of those things where I, I, I feel like they just kind of assumed that everyone would assume, yeah, that you know, if he, since he's not dead, he's coming back. Yeah, you know, I mean, so. maybe we didn't need it. Maybe this is me expecting no, too much I mean, formula. But I'm just a little shocked we didn't get a scene where like Alfred's back on the job and he's okay. Didn't happen. I mean, look, the, the movie is long enough as it is. I know it is. there are. I think it's Circus because... is one note on Circus is you're never going to beat Michael Caine. You're just never going to do it. Everybody who plays well, the role is going to be compared to Michael Caine and you're fall never, short. You're never so... going to beat Michael Gow. Yeah. I mean, like the you know, it, like I Michael Caine is good. I'm going. I'd go Caine over. Is that how you pronounce Gow's last name? Gow go. We're talking. We're, we're talking. Go. We're talking I, about. I, I the, we're talking about the gentleman from the Tim Burton Joel Schumacher ones. Um, nah, he's good, but I think Kane's the one that you're always going to end up up against. And yeah. Circus is fine. Honest to God, if I had to, pick, I don't want to use the term weak link because I think everyone here is good. Right. I kind of was found myself a little disappointed in what they gave Paul Dano to do because I'm a big fan of his. Paul Dano, and, the problem with Paul Dano is, in this is that he's better once he's out of the costume. Right. He's not in the film as much as I thought he would be. And a lot of the times he's in it, it's like on a cell phone or on a video right. clip. And he's very much sort of kept mysterious and in the background. And then when he's right. finally out of the mask and unveiled, he's good. But I don't think he's even given enough to do at that point. To like separate himself from other just this is a crazy person performance performances, you know what I mean? Like he's just he's a gonzo crazy guy and he does it fine, but I don't think he's given enough screen time out of the mask to like do much with it. See, I thought I thought that his you know, the the confrontation between him and Batman in Arkham was played perfectly and I loved his his uh, his cell, you know, his freak out in the cell. Yeah. He that, it's it's, you know, it's he good. Like, if you're making a list of the most iconic comic book villain performances ever, I, this isn't cracking the top 50. Well, it's, sure. Well, I mean, this isn't, this isn't even close to his best performance. I mean, no. It's not like, this isn't, obviously isn't comparable to like, you know, There Will Be Blood no. or anything like that. But, um, but no, he he's still good. I mean, I, I think if you had a lesser actor in there, uh, this... You know, sure. those scenes where he is outside of the costume wouldn't have landed as strongly. I mean, he just he's able to inhabit it, uh, you know, even with kind of, you know, in somewhat lacking material, he, he makes it work extremely well. Uh, Pattinson, I mean, we've both I mean, we covered you and I we covered um good time. That was why we, we, we start, covered we, we covered good time and the lighthouse on our other podcast, right? So We did, well we did that because he got cast as Batman. Really? I don't even remember that. But I am fairly certain that's why we did it. You know, cuz I was like, "Oh, hey, Robert Pattinson's a great actor. You need to watch these movies." I think you're right. Well, I don't think it was the lighthouse, but I think it was good time cuz I think I kind of I, I think I kind of wanted to do uncut gems and you were like, "Well, we should talk about good time too because Pattinson's going to be the new Batman." 
and we did them. Together. Yeah, that was yeah. And we love exactly. Pattinson in on the yeah, show and in our lives. And I will watch. There's nothing <laughs> here to dissuade me. I will watch nine more Rob Pattinson starring Batman movies right now. Like, yeah, so absolutely done. He's. It's a. I, I do. I. I didn't do a full review of this. I just did my little letterbox journal. And I did note that it, it is a, especially since you don't get the billionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne, it is a little bit of a one dimensional role this time out, but it fits the film and he's very good at playing it. So I don't don't think it's a major, I find it to be more complex than the, the playboy billionaire Mm. uh, iterations. I don't even necessarily think that's the only reason that this is a bit more of a one dimensional Batman than we've seen before. But I, but I think, and we're going to talk about this a bunch more. I think it falls in the line of Reeves had a specific vision on this, of this, for this movie, a very specific take on this character. This is what it was. And whether you want to lend it to comparisons to past and past incarnations or whatever, Pattinson just crushes it. I mean, he's great. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's fantastic. Um, You know, he's physically, smaller like even than than the way that they shoot michael keaton in batman and batman returns yep but but he still feels more dangerous than almost than probably any of them yeah that's the the thing that really stood out to me is is how you know he's not this super muscular buff dude and yet he could probably kick all of their asses yeah i mean i i you know, there's there's basically two parts to this character in this movie. There's the sort of broken orphan trying to find his way in the world and make a difference. And then there's the sort of, you know, violent ass kicker who thinks his mission is vengeance. But over the course of the movie realizes that maybe that shouldn't be his mission. And maybe he has a more noble mission in mind. Those are would you agree? Those are kind of like the two parts of the character. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He he thinks he can punch his way into fixing Gotham, right? Only to realize that he in fact cannot. Which I've seen you say online that. Well, let's get into the tone of this movie. Which when this was announced and we saw the first trailer, because me and you, and especially you, have both been trumpeting the "We do not need dark Batman movies anymore. Give us an adventure-oriented Batman movie. Give us something exactly. that's in the tone of." We didn't need it, and then we saw this trailer that made it look like Seven, and we both kind of rolled our eyes, and we're just here we go again. Um, now that we've seen the movie, it's it's still maybe not ideally what I'd like to see a Batman movie to be right now, but it. It is a clear cut vision of what a Batman movie should be that, that Reeves, that Matt Reeves, the director had. And, you know, it works. It's good. And especially as I know you've noted online about how even though sort of vengeance and darkness and no parents is the overriding theme of the movie, that's not the message delivered at the end of it. Right. And I think that that's, that's really the most key thing is that one, I'll, I'll say this much. The movie as a whole, like even even without taking into account the overall arc of, you know, of the character and, you know, the thematic, you know, really the thematic core of where it ends up at the end. It is not as dark as I was expecting it to be tonally. It, you know, it it absolutely has a lot of that. It is pervasively, you know dark and grim uh but i was i was expecting it to be oppressive 
uh, oppressively so in a way that it is not. I agree. So I was I, I, I was really glad about that. I actually that. don't think there are some differences. Some. I'm not saying it's a carbon copy. I'm not saying it's identical. I don't think there is a massive difference between the tone of this movie and the tone of Nolan's Batman movies. I really don't. And I think there are some differences. And Nolan's films definitely are set in this sort of, uh, like George Bush era. <laughs> you know, they have, they, they have <laughs> I, I this. Think the, I think the key difference they have this specific that... political tone to them. But, Definitely, but I, I think I think the key difference is that this Reeves's Batman, Reeves's Gotham, is so much more immersive than Christopher Nolan's Gotham. Christopher Nolan's Gotham just kind of feels aloof, like it's there, but it's never it is never such an essential part of what's going on as this one is. This one used like, and and this is partly and and this is really I guess kind of one of the justifications for the very extended runtime is that you are you spend so much time in and around this city, you know that you feel the decay, you feel the corruption, you just you see it everywhere. Whereas that's something that's really not as present in I, Nolan's films. I, I feel like it is in Nolan's films a little bit. Now, Nolan's films had other things on its mind, like surveillance states and like different, you know, sort of ideas well, yeah, that were but, more relative to that era. But I mean, those movies were still in part about cor- corruption at a civic I level. Mean, they, they, and They were, but again, it's like, it, it's just like those movies just felt like, oh, well, this is just, Chicago, but with a Gotham subtitle. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do know, think like, that I, Pittsburgh. I do, yeah, yeah this, I know. It feels like a much more fully <laughs> to, realized. To be exact, place. it was Chicago in one movie, and then Pittsburgh and in the Pittsburgh next movie, the other, yeah. <laughs> right? And then the Batman uses like three different cities. I think it's like London and and Chicago, and there's another one. I think they shot stuff in. I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure they use um, New York at some point. Maybe the, I will say the Batman seems more interested in setting up sort of the city as an expanded universe, which maybe ties in because they're going to be doing TV shows about the penguin and stuff. It's more like this living, breathing thing that characters can come in and out of and work around the fringes and, and feel sort of like the comics and the video games where, and, but you know, the part of that goes down to the fact that, you know, everybody lives at the end of this movie. None of the villains die. Right. No, there's no big shocking plot twist where anybody's getting r- written out. It's like they've created this version of the bat, the Batman universe in Gotham that they can continue to play in in a myriad of different formats, be it TV or movies, using these characters, new characters, characters at the edges. So it kind of feels like there's more world building going on here, I guess. But it doesn't. Yeah. To, but to me, it doesn't feel severely, severely different in tone from the Nolan ones. Really, to me, it feels like a a course correction back to what. We know what works after sort of the Batman versus Superman and the Snyder stuff. I will say that this new movie, you know, we've talked about this. There's more of a Batman, the world's greatest detective. There's more of a mystery aspect. It's a little more character based. There's less action in those regards. It's a different movie from the Nolan movies. Oh, absolutely. I I was almost um, it's not a complaint, but I was almost shocked at how relatively little action there is i mean there's there's the car chase which is very cool and completely unique the way it's shot with the cameras basically mounted on the vehicles yeah 
There's the action scene at the end, which I joked with you online. I said it, it's weird that it's it does turn a Nolan movie in the last 20 minutes straight with Batman basically fighting the guys in hockey pants, essentially. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it that the last 20 minutes and after the flooding really feels like a Nolan Batman movie to me. But is that really just because those are the ones we that we think of as being good Batman movies? And Warner Brothers probably said, hey, we got to have some sort of action set piece at the end of this movie. It can't just be Batman solves a mystery roll credits. I, I, I kind of feel like maybe that was a studio mandate. I don't know. Uh, I You know, in some ways... I could see the studio telling them to beef it up because the, what happens with, you know, with Bruce, uh, helping the people, you know, in the stadium, you know, literally offering the helping hand, uh, you know, the imagery of him, you know, pulling kids out of, out yeah. of the rubble. And, 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 this, the, and this is also like that, it, that all feels, that all feels too intrinsic to, you know, to the thematic arc of things. I was to say, it also but, helps push that, push that mission statement of where you think this is a movie about vengeance and revenge. And it's, it's Batman learning that it's, it's Bruce Wayne learning that it's not that, that that isn't what his mission has to be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So I, so much of that feels too intrinsic to what Reeves is going for, but I can definitely, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the studio was like, no, look, look, have him crash through the skylight or something. Yeah. You know, something, stuff like that. Um, I didn't mind the lack of action. I thought it made for a unique no. Batman movie and it's, we can go and talk about Matt Reeves is a really good director. I think you and I have both thought that, thought this for a while. Um, I love, Absolutely. I love his Planet of the Apes, these two Planet of the Apes films. Uh, this is a very good looking movie, you know, credit him, credit the cinematographer, but I mean, that car chase is excellent. Those, those, those creepy crime scenes and just the way light and shadow are used in those. I mean, yes, it's very Fincher-esque as everybody with a Twitter account is pointing out, but I mean, they're just the compositing of those scenes and stuff. It's a really good looking movie. It is a superbly shot film. Yes. For a, for a movie that is so smeared in grays and blacks and, you know, dark greens, the way that Greg Frazier uses, uh, you know, points of light and, and, you know, glowing earth tones to, right. uh, you know, to accentuate, uh, stuff like that is just, uh, it, uh, it's so good. It's so good. I think, um, it's maybe not the Batman movie I wanted, but no, uh, listen again, we, I was not a fan of what was going on with the the Zack Snyder Ben Affleck stuff. So it, it does feel like a course correction from that. I welcome sequels. I, you know, I, I, it has me somewhat enthused about where Batman can be as a franchise again, which then, you know, <laughs> although we're about to get, you know, Affleck back and Keaton back and we're going to have multiverse <laughs> Batman and Batman. And so who knows what happens, but if, if Reeves and Pattinson are back for a sequel and I assume after the box office is pretty good, yeah, I, I assume they will be. So, yeah, I mean, I'll take more of these. It's I, Stu, I hope we get a yeah. sort of lighter adventure driven Batman one day before I die. But, you know, it, this, this is one of those cases like, you know, you know me, I am a staunch defender of Man of Steel. Uh, yeah. problems though it has. Yeah. Uh, but even, but even I will readily admit that is not the Superman movie that I personally would have made. And I think it's it comes to, and I told you, I come, I was trying to think of what other sort of modern day recent 
superhero movie the batman yeah. most felt like to me and the, the answer i keep coming up with is man of steel and yeah. it's because i don't love man of steel i have some issues with man of steel but at least for that movie like Zack snyder had a vision they went right. for it they got talented people on board and it it doesn't all work and some of it's undone by the shitty sequels and stuff that came after but it mostly works and it's like well at least they had a firm vision and went for it here and had, and, right. as, and as always, Henry Cavill's a really great Superman. So, exactly. so, so I, you know, this, it feels is... like that. And I, and I, I have a lot of nitpicks about Man of Steel. I still hate the way they do Pa Kent and the way Kevin Costner works. And, and we're, and there's similar things in the Batman that we're about to get to that I'm not too thrilled about. But it's like, it's like, you know, they had a vision man and it's a little different than what we've seen before and they went for it. Right. So, and so, you know, w- with me in this, it's like, would I have taken some, almost anything different, lighter, you know, uh, you know, more, a little bit more, (laughs) yeah, you know, just something that is not this. Yes, I absolutely would have, but you know what? I am glad that what we got with this is as good as it is. Uh, and yeah, accomplish and accomplishes what it, what it, uh, what it does because I, you know, it's like, I think that if you, because it really it does feel like by the end of this it it's a statement of of Matt Reeves saying this is where I want to go with this character this is what I think this this is what I think people need from this character right now you know and I think that this is a good way to you know ease people into that if if that's what he thought was necessary yep so I want to briefly address the score and my question for you, has anybody done this much with just two notes since John Williams did Jaws? <laughs> because no. Michael like, Gia, uh, uh, Michael Giacchino's score for this movie, for the most part, the main theme is two fucking notes. <laughs> like Hans Zimmer probably listened to this score and was just, green with envy and red with rage it's that that he didn't that he didn't do I, his batman score like this i tell you what i am gonna i i i really like han zimmer's bat uh you know you know the the marches that he did for the dark knight and batman begins and all that like i actually really like his work on on those batman movies there it's great although i i like this is just Giacchino's work here is just grand and operatic and just pounding. Like I got to see it in a faux IMAX theater. Mm-hmm. Like it was an IMAX. L- IMAX. IMAX. Yeah. IMAX. Uh, and you know, it's like in, the screen may not be as big as it should be for a regular IMAX, but the, they don't skimp on the sound and like just a, my chest was vibrating <laughs> so many points of this movie. I'll tell you what, I, was... I, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit. And I did like, I want to make it clear. I like the score. I think it's really good. It, that main theme, that two note theme is used a lot throughout this movie. Is there any chance that it's just a bit too repetitive throughout? Um, I, I mean, it could, I, Okay, let's, let's I think it's possible. I, I, I don't blame anyone. I don't blame anyone who thinks that it is. Yeah. It worked for me, and I never found myself thinking, "Oh God, this again." And I, you know, and I like I've listened to it. I listened to the score several times over. Like I listened to it all as I was writing my review. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I really enjoy it. But I, I can see how somebody, you know, how it would, how it would 
make someone weary of of hearing uh, certain aspects, certain parts I, of the game. I just, I, I'm not sure. I really think it's a good score. I did start to notice by that third hour of the movie, like, right. wow, yeah. they 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 go, they really go in all, all in on those two notes, and they really go all in on the Nirvana. Like those those things were <laughs> locked in, and there wasn't a lot of room for anything else. But it, it's a good score. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to what's, what didn't work so well in this movie, did you want to bring up anything else that, why you loved it so much? Um, yeah, one of my, one of my favorite, and this is, I guess, kind of a relatively small thing. Uh, I love that they make the Batmobile terrifying. Oh, it's a good Batmobile. It's a, it's a really good Batmobile, especially for one that like is pretty bare bones for what it is. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's, just it's it looks the, it just looks like an American muscle car, but with fins and like a jet engine in the back. Right. But, yeah. but it's just like like I mean, sure, the the Affleck Batmobile had no, Gatling that, guns. That Batmobile sucked. That, bat, that Batmobile it, like, sucked. It, it like I don't I don't dislike it, but this I mean this one feels terrifying by comparison. This is it's just probably just the, the, this might be the best Batman. Well, let's let let's tell you what. Let's just go ahead and talk about the suit here too. Let's talk about them both together okay. because this is my favorite live action Batman suit, and I don't think it's particularly it is, close. It's the most practical Batmobile. I'll say that much. The okay. suit isn't practical. Like one of, one of the things that I've one of the problems that I've had with with you know really, you know, even most superhero costumes is that nobody can quick change into these things. Spider-Man is just about the only one. Yeah, but that's just do a quick. That's just like a superhero thing we roll with. I mean, I guess again, it's just like it's one of those things like how in the world is Bruce Wayne? And again, this Bruce. And there is I can't remember exactly where it is in the movie, but there is one quick change spot in the movie where I'm like, how did he get into the suit so damn fast? Well, it's, uh, so there's the uh, yeah. Well, there's there's a couple spots, but yeah, it's just like there's one I know, noticed when the, when the when the Clock King is you know crashing a gala. How in the world is Bruce Wayne supposed to get in that suit so fast by himself? Right. You know. So, but it's 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 a good looking bat suit. It looks functional. It looks movable. Like that's one of the biggest things. Like other than Ben Affleck's suit. This by far yeah, looks to be the, one of the most comfortable to actually wear. I really like that collar thing sticking up. That, the collar is great. That That's, sort yeah. of separates the upper torso cape area from the cow area. It looks so good. Yeah. Very stylish. I, I this this is less how the suit looks and more how it's presented, but obviously it's made of armor yeah. and Batman is pretty much always presented as being the bat suit is always presented as being bulletproof always. And even in the the Christian Bale ones there's that line like well it'll take anything but a direct shot. I like in this movie of how it's basically Kevlar, it's basically bulletproof, but they treat it like real world Kevlar that when when Batman when Bruce Wayne gets shot, he feels it. And he's out, you know, it's going to suck the wind out of him. And he gets blasted by that shotgun at the end of the movie. And it's like, right. I'm going to need a couple minutes to get back up because this shit hurts. Well, I not, I not really like mi- that. Like, not yeah. just a couple minutes, a couple minutes and a literal shot of adrenaline. Right. And it's like, that's what happens. You're wearing Kevlar. You get shot. It's not going to kill you, but you're not going to be able to breathe for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, I like that that was presented in a very realistic manner where the gunshots are going to hurt. Rather than just they bounce off or you block them with your gauntlets or whatever. 
Um, the car I think is great just because it's, it's, it's just fucking cool. It just looks like something Dom Toretto should be driving. Uh, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it's, I, it, it's just it like one step over from, and I've, I mean, this is going to be sacrilege, but I don't really like the Keaton Batmobile. I definitely didn't like the Schumacher Batmobile. The, the Tumblr is kind of cool, although I like the bike better. I think the Bat Cycle from the Nolan ones is really the standout vehicle. The the bike is better in the normal uh, the okay the Keaton Batmobile is iconic, but it's kind of ugly. It, it's ugly. I I I love it. I you know it's it's weird. I love it, but it is the slow. <laughs> it's while like watching it now, it's like it's hilariously slow. Yeah, you know one because they're driving they're clearly driving it on a back lot. Yeah. Uh, but two, just, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's like 40 feet long or something like it, that. It, it moves at the same speed as those speeders in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> just, craw- yeah. just crawls along. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's great to look at, but it, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever. I'm, ta- I'm calling, um, I'm calling it the, the, the Pattinson Batmobile is the best Batmobile since the Adam West Batmobile. That's, oh yeah, that's no, where I, I'm at. I would, I, as yeah, as far as live action goes, I would absolutely agree with that. And yeah, good suit too. Uh, yeah. So let's get into some of like our nitpicks and things we had. And I mean, the big thing for me, Stu, I just wish the story was stronger. Like the central mystery that the Riddler is giving to the people of the city by killing these people and leaving 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 little clues. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> and kind of, well, kind of needlessly convoluted. And I will say this right now: I, the the Dark Knight gets picked a lot. You know, dark the Dark Knight. Nolan's the Dark Knight, which everybody declared a masterpiece upon release, and kind of is that. It, it, in more recent years, it's been picked apart more and more for different different things that haven't aged well. And I've seen it picked apart a lot for sort of its plot machinations and 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 gordon uh gordon faking his own death in those movies and things that don't really make sense once you watch it watch it six or seven times i think the exact same thing is going to happen to this movie in three years i think in three years when people are watching the batman on hbo max at home we're going to start pulling a plot how the riddler scheme and these clues and what what his goal is just makes no fucking sense at all well i i think his goal makes sense i mean his goal is to burn down the system but i think Part of the problem is that which that should you know, not be a Riddler goal. That's a Joker goal. Which, well, like, <laughs> well, Joker's goal. No, not even Joker. Like that. That burning down the system is a Heath Ledger Joker goal. Joker just wants to like just cause chaos yeah. by yeah. by creating jokes. Yes, like that's one of the things that, Bob, that actually does bother me about the Heath Ledger Joker is that like Joker is like everything is a gag. Everything is for him is for his own twisted sense of humor, and I don't get the sense that Ledger Joker even has a sense of humor. I disagree with um, that, but I don't want to get into a big fight about the Dark Knight. Anyway, but I disagree with that. Point, yeah. point being, point being is that like, you know, my problem is that it's there's never a question as to what the Riddler is doing or why. You know, like if he was just offing these people. And then leaving, you know, riddles and clues as to like who his next, next victim might be. That'd be one thing. But when he's making these proclamations and like dropping all this, you know, doing dead drops of evidence and stuff like that, um, that, I mean, that just kind of sucks the mystery out of it. 
you know, so it, it I, becomes, you know, more of just kind of a, a you know, a, a, a suspect hunt as opposed to I, unraveling. I, I guess I just wish it was more clever. Like the thumb drive, sure. the thumb drive thing was kind of cute. But, I, but, look, but I, then I, the, but it was, but it was downhill from there. It was like the whole rat with wings. Oh, is it a penguin? Is it a stool pigeon? Is it a bat? Like, no, this is all dumb. And then you get to the part where the one, I think it's a cop who's like, oh yeah, that's a tool for pulling up rugs. It's a derugger. And Batman has like a light bulb goes off and let's rip off this rug. And now there's day glow paint on the floor. And it's like, this is all stupid. And in three years, we're all going to realize this is pretty stupid. Well, I mean, <laughs> look. Stupid plots are inherent to this kind of thing. I don't, I I don't think they have to be, but they don't have to be, but they just kind of are. It, it's just, it is the way of things. And now I'm not saying that they shouldn't try to make it smarter, but I've made my peace with it. I right. guess is what I'm saying. But then my thing is let's not knock down any, uh, well, uh, okay. First of all, yes, let's knock down the Dark Knight Rises because that movie's just insane and movie's terrible. Yeah. But, but, Let's not knock down Batman Begins and The Dark Knight for weak plots. When well, I th- but- when I think I don't think from a plot story perspective, I don't think this one's any better than those ones. I look, I still love Batman Begins. Batman Begins is I think by far the best of the Nolan films. We're going to be getting into this at the end of this. So don't we and I don't, not go and I don't, Like I don't think that uh I it's not so much that I think the Dark Knight is a bad movie. I just think that it's like, you know, it got hailed. Oh my God, it's this masterpiece. It's, it's heat, but with Batman, it's like, no, no, it's not. It's not. I, uh, we're going to get into this in a little bit. I'm going to save my thoughts. But yeah, so I mean, with this, it's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with you necessarily on, you know, in terms of the quality of the mystery or, you know, how effective it is or whatever. It just bothered me less. I it's guess, just like, I, the because whole story I, I, is just, hey, cr- there's corruption, and isn't that terrible, and classism, and oh, I was an orphan that nobody cared about, and Bruce Wayne was an orphan that everybody cared about. And it's just, none of that came together for me, either really thematically or from a story perspective, ever. It was just like sort of background stuff to to the cool-looking movie with the good actors playing Batman characters I like. It never really gelled yeah, in anything. Like... It, it did work for me for the most part. And I especially really liked, I really appreciated the whole online radicalism aspect. That was cool. Well, I, that, I don't know how much it worked for me, but at least it was something new and rooted in something in the real world that we are absolutely dealing with right now. So right. good, I thought, good I thought for it was, going I thought it was interesting. It. it made sense. Uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciated, the, I appreciated the attempts at least to do something you know, relevant and interesting and, and, and organic in a way. Sure. Um, and then the other thing is the movie is too long. I, I mean, I know I, I took, so I bitched about the length before I even saw it, before it was released. And some people called me out for it. And I, no, I, I do subscribe. No, right I do subscribe. I do subscribe to that popular Robert or Robert. I do subscribe to that. A movie, pop- should, a movie should only be as long yeah, as it needs the, to be. Yeah. The, no, no. The Roger Ebert quote that no bad movie is ever, short enough right. no, oh, no yeah. good movie no good movie can be too long and no bad movie can be too short like i, I get sure. that but these things do not need to be two hours and 55 minutes or whatever it was they just don't and don't and, and now that i watched the movie i was vindicated there was flab it has like three different endings like it did not it, need it to has, be this long it has multiple ending itis i th- i feel like you could like i love zoe kravitz i great i th- 
I honestly think she's the definitive Catwoman. She's now. good. She's re- I, um, she's. I, but, you know, you know what the uh, here's the true facts about Catwoman. I've never seen the Halle Berry thing, so I'm not counting that. Every every point. other live action Catwoman, every single one, including all of the ladies who played Catwoman back in the '60s on the Adam West TV show, they've all been fucking great. They have. They have. <laughs> Anne Hathaway was great. Michelle Pfeiffer was obvious. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's still the goat, but they've all been great. And Zoe Kravitz just lined up with him nicely. She was great. Yeah. Go on, make um, your point. But you even were- like even as great as she is, I feel like you there's you know, a there's stuff with her that you could trim to, you know, j- just to get the runtime down. My goodness. Um yeah. my look, my my running my general standard is Heat is my all-time favorite movie. Heat is two hours and 45 minutes. If your movie is not better than Heat, your movie does not need to be longer than well, Heat. Spoiler alert, this movie, your, your this movie, movie is not going to be better than Heat. <laughs> right. One, yeah, your movie is probably not going to be better than Heat. And this movie is not better than Heat. It is a good movie. I loved watching it. But I was like, I was never bored, but I was always conscious of how long it is. And it's not a, f- this is a th- purposefully slow, pila- slow paced, methodical right. movie. Right. So yeah. you're asking if you, that's the pace you're targeting. And to be fair, I do think it right. works for the story they want to tell, but it's a tall order to make that two it, hours and 50 minutes. And it, it works. And there are benefits to having it that long, like I said um, earlier. But yeah, this just, I, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Like if you're going to have, if you're going to have a movie this long, Put an intermission in, please. <laughs> like Sound of Music style. Seriously. You can do it. Maybe it's that okay. should be our new our new big cause, too. We're fighting to bring intermissions back to movies. It's a worthy cause, man. That's not a bad idea. Take ten minutes, refill your popcorn, piss. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. I, I don't hate the idea. I, actually, I think... No, I was, gonna, I was thinking, did The Hateful Eight have an intermission? I don't think... It might uh, have... I, I think the I think the roadshow version. Yeah, had, I think that's right. Because the roadshow version had like the overture and I was you know, right. I was trying stuff. to think: was it just an overture or was it an intermission? Too, I'm not. I'm not I'm sure. But sure I'm with. We could probably get Quentin on our side, though. He'd probably be down with bringing intermissions back. Oh, absolutely. Um, anything else you wanted to nitpick or complain about before we move on? No, I mean those are those are really my only my only significant issues with the film. Uh, so some things I have, just things we should discuss. Uh, we are going to get a TV. I mean, whether we complain about it or not, it's going to happen because this is the year 2022 and we have streaming services to feed, but we're going to get a TV spinoff. We're going to get a TV spinoff about the penguin. And we were supposed to get a TV spinoff that was a prequel about the police department, but I just, about the Gotham police, but I just read today that that has now changed. It's not going to be a prequel and it's going to be an Arkham Asylum based. TV series. Uh, no word on whether Pattinson will show up in these. If he does, it'll be a glorified cameo that's like five minutes long or whatever. Do we need these things? Should these things exist? Are we just old men who are going to bitch about the the way media works now? Or I mean, look, uh, I'm, I'm at a point now where like, okay, all right, fine. Warner Brothers, you have more money. I mean, you have tons of money. Spend it however you want. There, Look, there is so much there is so much out there to watch that I find it difficult to be upset about something that I don't think should exist because 
God knows there's at least a dozen, two dozen other shows to catch up on or watch or follow. Like, I mean, there's so much other stuff that I can pay attention to that I can just ignore this. If it's not any good, fine, whatever. Just uh, I will let it float off into the ether and it will never bother me. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel compelled to watch the? I'm not saying I won't watch those shows, but right now I don't feel an overwhelming com- com- compulsion to watch them. And I'm not sure that I will. I will give them a shot, like especially like if we're getting Colin Farrell doing a penguin, you know, a penguin show. Yeah, I'll watch Colin Farrell every week being the penguin. Because he was great. Do you he think? Was... Do you think they buried him in the makeup because Rob Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz is already like too much hotness for one movie, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like we cannot have Colin Farrell in this thing looking like Colin Farrell looks. It would just be people couldn't take it. That's I mean, my I theory. Suppose. That's my theory. I, I mean, it's 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 not the worst theory, but I think I you know it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of lobbied to be buried under prosthetics because I you can you can tell he is just savoring. I, I mean, I every, I savoring every moment where he doesn't have to you know be you know a pretty leading man and just lean so hard into you know into being a villain and it's great it's so much fun i ad- i you know, i adore I, colin farrell and everything he does and it was no different here it was delightful oh he's con- he's consistently great he's a fantastic but are actor. we going to be able to have six or eight episodes about the penguin that don't have batman that are that like okay are entertaining look, i don't know i don't know look i'll look i'll say this much i know you haven't seen it but I felt the same way when they were like, hey, we're doing a Peacemaker show. I'm like, yeah. fucking really? Peacemaker? Yeah. Are you serious? Right. Still haven't and watched because I don't care. Look, Peace, look, Peacemaker is delightful. A delightful show. Loved every minute of it. And so, yeah, I just, like, look. I guess that, I, listen, here's I, the thing. I, have, I guess. I have, I have learned to just wait things out. Give it a shot. If I don't like it, I can just, like I said, I can ignore it. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I, I get the media is so fragmented now that, you know, they don't need massive numbers watching right. to make a show successful. And like everybody's in the tank for something. So, I mean, yeah, I'm in the tank for sure. the MCU and I'm definitely in the tank for Moon Knight. So, you know, I watch these shows and, DC, I mean, look, and Bob, Batman has its fans. DC has its fans. And that's going to be enough to that want to see every minute you're going to release of that universe. And it's enough to make it a success, I guess. But Bob, how many years have you been watching The Walking Dead while uh, also acknowledging? that you openly Ugh. hate the walking dead too many how many, Le- how many? Uh, 11 Maybe. well uh, I, I okay let's let me be very clear about all this since we're bringing it up in front of listeners one i've watched all 11 seasons of the walking dead i've probably actively hated it for f- the last five of those seasons however i do not watch the spinoffs I'm, i have not been sucked into the wider <laughs> walking dead extended universe at large i'm going to finish out this final season i feel like i'm at the end of the marathon i just need to cross the finish line and then i'm done i'm out so, so look, my point is that if you have forced literally forced yourself you don't have to keep <laughs> watching the show you vocally hate I'm old school, whereas if I have so many hours and I don't, it, it's called sunk cost. It's actually a poker gambling term. No. If I have, if I have so many hours yeah. invested, I don't want to turn it into a sunk cost. I'm determined to finish. 
So, but you don't get anything. You don't get anything if you finish. There's also no cost now, <laughs> dude. I mean, other than precious minutes of your life that are. I only, away. I only have like eleven more episodes of The Walking Dead to watch ever. So leave me alone. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see if these things end up being good ideas or not. I mean, look, if they are great, if not, oh well. I'll just watch literally anything else. Um, I have a game for us to play. Is there anything else you want to add before we play our game that's going to close out this podcast? No, not really. Okay. Let me pull it up on my computer. We're good. We are going to go through the entire Batman on film saga. And we are going to (laughs) play. But here's the twist. Here's what we're going to play. We're going to play, I think most of these movies now, there's like a general consensus as to the quality of the film, correct? I th- I think. For most, for pretty much all of the Batman films. So what I want to play is go film by film and play overrated, underrated, or properly rated. All right. You got it? Based on sure. your opinion, based on how you feel about these films, <laughs> whether the general right. consent, we can discuss what the general consensus is, and then I want you, Stuart Smith, to tell me whether you think... The movie is overrated, underrated, or properly rated. Sure. So we'll start with, um, we're not going to get back into the 60s, and we're definitely not going to get back into the serials before that. So let's just start with Batman 89. And yeah. I and I think the general consensus with Batman 89 is that it's a pretty damn good Tim Burton movie that is largely responsible for the superhero onslaught we continue to have today. Would, would we agree that's the general consensus? Yeah. So, um, so then do you think that film is overrated, underrated, or properly rated by film intelligentsia at large in the year 2022? No, it is, it is a, it's a legitimate all-time classic. Okay. Um, and rightly so. It's, it, it is still, that will probably forever reign as my personal favorite Batman movie. Okay. So then we'd say Batman 89 uh, is probably properly rated. By audiences. Okay. You know, like, it's just, it's fun. It's endlessly quotable. Danny Elfman's music is... Iconic! It's perfect. It is It is a perfect film score. Um, It is a perfect hero theme. I... It's perfect. Great. I agree. Love that movie. I agree, and I'm taking Batman 89 over the Batman, which I believe you were as well, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Batman Returns, 1992, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I feel like that one by... I continuously see that one touted as Tim Burton's best Batman movie. Uh, Like, it... I I feel like it's a bit overrated. It's a a fun movie. Look, I really like it. I really like it. But it's a... It's a great tim burton movie it's a bad batman movie this one's no, tr- it's, okay it's, it's not a bad <laughs> batman movie it is a lacking batman movie let's put it that way this one's tricky for me because i think batman returns i will go ahead and, and allow a slight edge to batman 89 if you want to say the first batman the first burton batman's better than the second i'm fine with that i Look, still batman, want batman i still not, batman returns does not have the structural problems I, that batman 89 has at, like in yeah, the last third. I agree. Uh, I will I will absolutely admit that. I I think for the I, I put those two movies as largely on the same level and I'm taking both of them over the Batman. I think for the longest time Batman Returns was clearly underrated especially by mass audiences who kind of, you know, and when you go outside of, you know, film Twitter, I don't think Batman Returns is on a lot of people's favorite list i think i think i think i think inside film twitter and people who are really into movies 
I, I even think with that group, it was largely underrated, but I think its stature has grown and grown and grown and grown in the yeah. years since, almost to where it's just kind of properly rated now, I think. Um, yeah, I suppose. I see it near a lot of, like, fa- best, you know, when people are ranking their Batman movies, I see it near the top a lot. I just, um, like, I have a lot of problems, like, I, I, like, this is not Danny DeVito's fault. He did precisely what he was asked to do. I hate that depiction of the penguin. It's just, it's gross. It's not like, I don't, I don't like I, watching it. It's very it's different, not, but I, I love it. I, I mean, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer is the MVP of that movie, but DeVito, I like the DeVito stuff. It's, it's executed the way that it, it right. is intended to be. And so I can't fault it on that, on that front, you know, and I like what thematically Burton is going for in terms, you know, in the way that Catwoman and Penguin are both, you know, funhouse mirror reflections of, of, you know, aspects of Bruce's personality. But it's just, it is unpleasant. I just don't like it. I don't. And then, so, you know, I mean, that's, he's a huge part of the movie. So that, that all has always knocked it down uh, a couple notches for me. Batman Forever, 1995, Joel Schumacher, Val Kilmer. I'm actually going to go first here. I continue to say it's not a great movie, but I do think it's a tiny bit underrated as to where as I do still think it's a fun watch. I'll, okay. It's not good but it's not as bad as a lot of people say that it is it's not uh it's really not it has a lot of fun things i will always have a special place for it in my heart because that was actually the first batman movie that i got to see in a theater uh because my parents were like my parents were super restrictive when i was growing up and so you know when you have this super super dark batman especially batman returns uh you know, they were they were right to do it with Batman Returns. That movie is not for kids. <laughs> it absolutely is not. Uh, but you know, so I I will always have a special uh, hold a special place for Batman Forever because you know just being able to see something. I mean that that is a visually striking movie, and seeing that on a it's... huge screen when you're a you know when you're an early teenager. I mean that that's a pretty great experience. Listen, it's dumb, but it's fun. I think Val Kilmer's a good Batman. It's Jim Carrey in his prime. You know there there are worse I, I ways feel, to spend an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, honestly, I feel like if you if you got Tommy Lee Jones to give a different performance, yeah, Ra- rather than trying to match Carrey. Right, exactly. If you had him just doing almost anything differently than how he does it, I would probably rank the movie higher, uh, but also just consider it a better movie. For the record, uh, the first Batman movie I ever saw in a theater was actually Returns, which is crazy huh. because ni- Batman 89, I'm like, how, how I, you I know, I'm like, I'm like theater. 14 going on 15 that summer. I mean, like prime movie going age. I saw, I mean, I can tell you right now, I saw, 80, I saw Last Crusade that summer. I saw, I think, Ghostbusters 2's that summer I saw in the theater. Back to the Future 2's. You saw 2's Ghostbusters that, 2, but not yes, Batman. What I saw Back to the Future. I saw Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> I saw Lethal Weapon 2, which was R-rated, but my parents took me. I saw that in the theater. For some wow. dumb reason, for some dumb reason, 
either me or my family never made it out to see Batman. I didn't see it until it came out price to buy on VHS. And like, That's I, crazy, and my, I know given how long you stayed in theaters. I know back then. it's nuts. I know. So Batman returns actually ended up being the first one I saw in theaters. That so is weird. Abs- that is, I know I, it's, it's, I saw everything else that summer. And for some reason wow. that I just never, and it was, you know, it, have you been able to, have you been able to no, see it in the theater? I, know, I have never seen Batman 89. On oh man. Oh, so um, they did a fathom events did a, I think in 2019, it was like, it was the big anniversary screening of it. And so I got to see it in the theater and oh my God, it is, I, I, I can't even imagine watching that movie for the first time, unaware of what I was in for. Mm. Like, it's just, it is, it's an experience, man. So 1997, Batman and Robin, I think it's a shit movie and I don't like these sort of revisionist takes that it's actually not that bad because it is that bad. So are we, are we skipping over Mask of the Phantasm? We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. I wanted to keep all okay. the Burton Schumacher okay. no, ones no, no, together, no, no. but we'll get to it. I just, just wanted to make sure. Okay. No, we're going to include uh, it. Yeah. Bat- Batman and Robin sucks. Um, and anyone who says otherwise right. is completely lying. So for the most part, then we think it's properly rated, but just these, yeah. these, these stray people who are like, actually, no, shut that shit down no. right now. It's no, bad. Movie. No, actually it's right. bad. Okay. Okay. More like bad man and Robin. <laughs> You're, this is why we have you. This is why we had to bring the cast back, Stu, for you to make terrible Clearly. jokes for any listener Clearly. who's made it with us this far. Uh, we'll go ahead and do Mask of the Phantasm now before we move on. Although, fun fact, I've never seen it. So I'm going to turn really? this way. Oh, man. Here's the, this is even crazier than me not seeing Batman 89 in a theater. I actually own Mask of the Phantasm. When I, I bought the Dark Knight, wow. I actually bought the Dark Knight on dvd at some point and it came with like a dvd copy of the mask of the phantasm attached to it and i thought wow i I should watch this at some point because as you know Stu, i was a fan of the animated series have seen almost every episode for some reason never saw phantasm lost that dvd had no idea where it was forever just about six months ago i cleaned out my basement and brought a bunch of my old dvds back upstairs because i have more storage space I found that Mask of the Phantasm DVD. I separated it out. It's actually sitting separate. I'm looking at it right now so that I can watch it at some point, but I still have not done so. It's probably on HBO Max, like in HD or something. Yeah, you're right. It would be available now. But um, yeah. I, I, I can tell you this. I think the general regard for that movie is high. So would you say it's general properly rated? General regard for it is or? high. Yeah. Uh, it's, for the most part, it is properly placed. Okay. Uh, I it's It's one of, like, I love it. I love everything about, you know, the you know, that animated series that is, that will forever remain the definitive Batman in any medium for me. Yeah. Um, the animated series, I've watched most of the animated series and it's fantastic. It, it, it is. I mean, it's just, it's so good. And this is, you know, you can definitely tell that the creative team, uh, you know, which carried over from the show onto this, uh, was definitely reveling and not being, uh, hampered by, uh, children's network censors. You know, because like one of the first things that you see happen is Batman, you know, punching people in the face and getting actually shot at and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's it's great. Uh, it the only thing that I would say is, you know, that kind of keeps it from just being absolutely unassailably perfect is that it really does just kind of feel a bit too much like a like a really long episode of the show right which isn't a bad thing because the show is great 
you know, but it, it, it still never feels like a proper movie. Even though it was released theatrical, Even theatrically, it, it just feels like a like special episode hour, of the show. It's, yeah. it's an hour and a half long, you know, it, again, it's movie link, right. but it's just, just, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. Well, I so, can put my finger on it. We don't have the time. Yeah. So I, I was going to say we, so we're not going to cover all the animated movies. I only want to talk about the right. ones that were released theatrical, theatrically. So we'll just go ahead and do the other one now, which is the Lego Batman movie. And I'm going to go ahead and go first here because I have a slightly controversial opinion about the Lego Batman movie. I think it is way overrated. <laughs> and I agree with you. Um, I, I think the Will Arnett funny Lego Batman works much better in the Lego movies where he can be, you know, deployed with precision in small spots and used sparingly. And he's really funny when you, when they tried to build a whole movie out of him, it doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. You you took the words right out of my mouth. He is great as a side reactive character, but he is annoying. Agree. Annoying. When he's the entire focus I, does not work. I agree. And I, you know, I see a lot of Batman lists and it's high up, man. People love to think they're clever. People are love to clip. I see all kinds of people thinking they're clever. Like, Oh, Lego Batman's the best screen screen Batman. And this is one of the best Batman films. And I'm like, nah, no, nah, he's, no. he's, he's very cute. And it's a very clever take on Batman for the, the two Lego movies. I, the, the, the second Lego movie is not very loved. And I take, I think it's a better movie than the Lego Batman movie. But, you know, I never, I never got around to seeing it. Um, it's good. It's not as good as the Lego movie, but it's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get back on track with the, the main films. So we are up to Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale's Batman Begins, which, what do you think the general public consensus is for that film these days? For Batman Begins? Yes. I think the general consensus is that it's, like it's it's the general consensus is that it's the second best Nolan film, uh, Nolan Bat film, uh, and that is wrong. I think it's the best one. It's not. It's second. But go on. Um, <laughs> I just it it is it is without question uh, the Nolan Bat film that is that fully embraces the comic book nature of the character. Yeah, I you know and like and that benefits the movie. And the fact that the Dark Knight backs away from that to varying degrees hurts that movie. I was actually going to point this out. So when you and I get on here and say, well, we wish they'd make a Batman adventure movie or we wish that that the franchise would sort of more deal with the adventure elements that have been present in the comic books and the, the TV shows and stuff. The first half of Batman Begins actually kind of does that. And people, right. for, and people exactly. forget, and people forget. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it does. I mean, it, it does do that. I mean, there are ninjas, uh, there are sword fights on frozen lakes. Like it's, you know, right. And uh, that, and that's part of why I think it's so good because it, it does those things, you know, and the rest of the trilogy could have used more material like that. I'm going to go Batman Begins is underrated because I still think it's great. And I see more people talking about the Dark Knight Rises these days than Batman yeah. Begins, which is just silly. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I would I would agree that it is underrated. OK, 2008, the Dark Knight, <laughs> widely considered one of, if not the greatest comic book story ever put to film by 
DC diehards, Nolan diehards, Batman people. I, I mean, it's, it, I, I guess no one can really say it's underrated because how could it, no matter how much you love the <laughs> right. dark Knight, yeah. how could you say it's underrated? So, so the question is whether it's overrated or properly rated. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I'm going to go with properly. I, it's, it's still in my all time top 10 as far as superhero comic book movies go. Are you, are you, are you going to go with overrated, Stu? Are we going I, there? I'm going to go with overrated. I'm going right. to go with overrated. I still like it. I still think, like, I saw it three or four times in the theater. Yep. You know, like I, th- there is more that I like about it than don't, but there is, there is definitely stuff in it that I have uh, softened on as the years have gone by, you know? Um, I mean, I, I will admit that you, you know, something, a few things haven't aged. Well, I mean, you always see people joking now about, <laughs> the way humanity in America has been exposed. Once you get to that boat scene where they're bearing them, the book, <laughs> those boats would blow up so fucking fast. <laughs> like both of it, both yes, of the boats. both of them. Like it's the movie makes some, some suggestions about humanity that have not aged. Well, let's put it that way. Certainly over the last couple. And of years. again, some of the police state state stuff and surveillance state stuff. And there, there are things in that movie that make it seem very much a product of its, it's time in the early 2000s. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to uh, really step in it here. Um Heath Ledger's Joker is no. one of the things that has not stop. aged well for Stu, me. stop. Just stop. Just stop. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> let me explain myself. Allow me to step in it further. It's a good it's a good villain performance for what it is. It's a bad Joker. I That's my that's my I, contention. I I'm fine. It's a bad Joker. It's it's and that's not even getting into the whole. He basically has to be an omniscient wizard. Yes, that's for true. That's true. Parts of the plot you can absolutely pick the plot. Uh, listen, I I agree that the plot. Yeah, you can pick apart the plot easily. Although movies are as much about momentum and feeling and sure. and stuff as they are plot. Even and even, and, and, in, that. and in though that and in those regards, that movie is unassailable. Like it's a good performance, but was it? Academy Award worthy? No. Yes. No, it was not. Yeah, it was. Maybe, maybe not worthy. winning. Maybe not. Maybe not Academy Award winning, but Academy Award nominating for supporting actor. It <laughs> it, it redefined. I and listen, this is coming from a massive Heath Ledger stand who thinks A Knight's Tale is one of the most entertaining movies ever made. <laughs> I mean, I love the guy, but it it really did redefine what you can do with those types of roles in these movies. And it may be not, it may not be an exact interpretation of the comic book Joker or the Mark Hamill Joker or whatever your favorite Joker is. But I mean, I would argue it's less removed from the character than what Matt Reeves's Riddler is from what the sort of general Riddler character is in comic books over I mean, the years. Yeah. I, I mean, there are some, there's I'll, a, there's a variation can, there, but it's still the Joker to me. It's still definably the, the Joker to me. That sort of <laughs> agent of chaos. Who's, I, I don't know. Yes. I, I just, again, like I said, we don't have the time for me to, to um, fully get into. I still think Batman begins in the dark Knight are better films than the Batman. I would take both of them. Mm. I, mm. I think they're, <laughs> I just I mean, think okay. they're, I just think they're more entertaining. I think they have less issues and I think they're more entertaining films. I mean, and not only that, I think they, at the time they came out, I think they more redefined what a Batman movie can be than the Batman does, which is really well, just sort I mean, of taking it back. 
you can you can make that case, but I don't. I mean, I don't know why a Batman movie has to do that every time. It does. No, it doesn't. And again, and again, after the Snyder stuff, I think it's almost wise to do more of a basic reset. So you're right. You're right. I mean, look, look. Batman Begins is probably a better movie than the Batman. The Batman is a better Batman movie than Batman Begins. That's fair. That's my feeling. That's fair. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises is not good. We both agree. Let's fight about Tom Hardy. Because <laughs> Tom Hardy is God. delightful in The Dark Knight Rises. Tom Hardy. He's delightful. Look, Tom Hardy's physical presence is impressive in that movie. Like, that is a great physical performance. Yeah. The voice doesn't work. You cannot convince me otherwise. Anyone it's... who says it works is wrong. At worst. At worst. It's unintentionally hilarious. Which oh there, which, God. which there's it's value so in. Awful. And it I think, me... and I think you can make an argument that it's intentionally hilarious. And I think you can it... make an argument that it's just intentionally fun. That it's just preposterous in a but good way. It is, com- it is completely <laughs> at odds with the po-faced seriousness of that movie. Well, the completely movie, uh, yes, odd. I would it agree with me, that. It and... takes, it takes me completely out of the movie. Listen, I... every single time his voice starts going. Every time. I, I, um, it is awful. It's grating. For the record. It doesn't fit the character. It doesn't fit the movie. It is <laughs> terrible. And I, I honestly am just amazed that not only did the studio let it stay, that Christopher Nolan listened to it and was like, oh, yes, absolutely. No, keep doing that. It just it's... baffles. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that Tom Hardy thought it was a good idea because that absolutely seems like the kind right. of thing that I was just oh, saying yeah, there is there is not much of a difference between what Tom Hardy is doing in the Venom movies and what he's doing in that movie. Oh it, no, not at all. It's like no. him him making it his show of whatever the hell he wants to do. Right. And and as usual with Tom Hardy, it's delightful. But like if he did, uh, if he decided to do this in a in a super campy Batman movie, that would work. This is not that. Um it's a bad movie. I, I'm going to put it down as overrated because I see it. I don't know. I think that movie is such a significant drop from the first two movies in that trilogy. Whereas I see a lot of arguments of, well, yeah, it's, it's not quite as good, but it belongs with the other two. It does not belong with the other two. So I'm going overrated. Here's the thing. It's a bad movie, but I would still rather watch it than Batman v Superman. Absolutely. Oh, the Dark Knight Rises is watchable, but it's, you know my big problem with that movie structural it's just structurally a mess like i mean we start yeah. with a retired broken down bruce wayne who has to build himself back up to fight crime again and then he gets a his, like back broken and thrown in a well and shit and then we have to watch him go through the same arc all over again where he has to build it right. it's like what's even happening how did they structure exactly. this thing why it's it's a bizarre movie i'm go- I, so yeah i i'm i'm overrated and it's a huge letdown from the first two of nolan's trilogy uh, is B is Batman versus Superman all we have left? Did I miss anything? Uh, I mean, unless uh, you want to count Justice League, we'll which go. That's not not really a Batman movie. We'll say, so. well, let's just do Batman versus Superman. I, I'm, we're leaving the Snyder people out of this. We're going to go with general <laughs> film aficionado and audience perspective, which is the movie sucks, and they're right, it does suck. So I guess yeah. pro- I guess properly yeah. rated because everybody knows it's a terrible Batman movie and it is a terrible yeah. Batman movie. Anyone anyone that is not a Snyder bro 
rightly acknowledges that this movie is just garbage. A, a disaster. And it is. Especially as a Batman movie. Especially if we're specifically yeah. looking at it as a Batman movie. It is a really bad Batman movie. As I will a, say... As a, as a movie, as a Superman movie, as a Batman movie, on all quadrants, it's bad. I will say, as throwing a morsel to the Snyder bros to try to be open-minded, I do think Affleck's version of Batman is much improved... In both the Whedon cut of Justice League and then definitely in the Snyder cut of Justice League. I like the Affleck Batman much better in either version of that film. He he is improved there. I actually like the Whedon cut version better because of just really because of a single line that makes me feel better about that version of Batman than the other one. What line the, is it? The, and it's when he's uh, it's it's one that Whedon added. It's when he's talking to Wonder Woman, uh, he's like, the world needs Superman, but the team needs Clark. Yeah. And th- like, that is a perfect Batman. That is a perfect Batman line. It's funny that some of the humorous Batman Bruce Wayne lines in that movie that I think I and everyone else had ascribed to Whedon actually show up in the Snyder Cut. And it's, it is a, it, the character does even, it either, in both cuts, the character has a little bit of a lighter edge in Justice League that I think helps. Yeah. And, you know, it's none of it's Affleck's fault, really. He did what he was no, doing. And I guess, and we are, we are seeing him again in the flash, right? Yeah, we um, are. And, you know, it's like, I'm glad that he gets at least one more quasi chance to, you know, to do good work. Cause I, he deserved, he deserved better. Okay. He really did. So the Batman films that I'm ranking above the Batman, I'm taking both Burton ones and the first two Nolan ones. I think all four of those movies are better than Matt Reeves' new movie. Right now, that could change with rewatches. I could come to appreciate Matt Reeves' film more, you know, yeah. after a couple of rewatches. I'd say it didn't strike me the way those other four have and continue to do. Um and 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 it sounds like if I ever watch Mask of the Phantasm, that'll be in the running too. As well it should be. As well it should be. God damn, Stu. We went a lot longer than I thought we were going to for How our glory I don't know. I didn't even look. I I didn't keep track. There's, you know, this is the first one of these things we've done in, what, three years? I'm just winging it. There was a moment where I panicked where I didn't even think it was recording, but it is. We're on an hour and and 17 minutes. So, uh, listen, for those of you who are listening, and I'm going to promote this and at least get my friends to listen to it, Maybe some of the, maybe some of the people who follow our work at our new jobs will, will find us and want to listen to. It's possible, right? Um, so listen, we have a website called Cult Spark that's separate from our other jobs. We write things for Cult Spark when our other places of publication (laughs) don't want them. Uh, I review for Cult often. Yeah, which is, which is most of the time. <laughs> my, my job will not accept the Van Damme Stu and I spend a lot of our day hearing, no, you can't write that. Go, <laughs> why does, you, you, really any, any self-respecting media company out there, no matter what they think their coverage area is, should be taking the Van Damage report. I mean, what's the matter with them? But, uh. I mean, they should. But, but uh, regardless, we have a site called, called, called Cult Spark. Uh, we don't, publish stuff every day but when we do publish stuff it's really really good we promise you uh we have a different uh podcast called the unfranchised where we talk about um smaller films that are not based in any pre-existing franchise we haven't done one of those in about 
it's ha- yeah, it's, it hasn't been a year yet, but it's been a while. We it's been almost a year. It's yeah, it's been about up. it's been about nine months. We're we're gonna do that too. Again, COVID's kind of kind of getting in the rearview mirror. Movies are coming back in some form or fashion. Still, I want to podcast more with you. I want to get guests. We we here's the thing: when you don't have a million watchers, we're free to do what we want. If we say, "Hey, let's do a Cult Spark podcast after three years off," we do it. Right? <laughs> the feed's live. Because why not? Yeah. So, so hey, subscribe. Subscribe to the Cult Spark podcast. Subscribe to the Unfranchised. Check out our website. If we decide to record a podcast and it shows up in your feed, man, won't you be surprised and hopefully happy about it? Clearly. Stu, where Clearly do you want, where do you want people, where can people find you online? So I am at Stubidoo on Twitter. And uh, kltv.com is the website where I post my movie reviews. I try to do about one a week, but sometimes I can't do that because sometimes – like it, it is not my full-time job. It is a side project that I have for uh, you know for my job working on the web team at, at the news station. Um, so I do it when I can. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can't. But I try to do it uh, pretty consistently. And you can find me at Coltspark doing the Van Damage report, which I will hopefully have a new entry for soon. Sounds good. My name is Robert Taylor. If you're really nice to me, you can call me Bob. I write at Collider.com. I write at Coltspark. You can find me on Twitter at Robert B. Taylor. You can find me on Letterboxd at RB Taylor if you just want to see what I'm watching and enjoying. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Wait, hang on. If, if people are nice to you, they can call you Bob. I'm Only not if nice they're to nice. You, and you let me call you Bob. Yeah, but when I like ring you out of the blue and say, "Hey, you want to bring this podcast back after two and a half years?" You say yes, so you get to call me Bob. Well, that you know what I'm glad. I'm glad you made that clarification. That's yeah. good to know. It is true. You're not very nice to me, though. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> it is true. all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time, whenever that is. Bye. <laughs>